Hey, PCC, how are you doing today? We're back. I'm Elijah. I'm Ellis. And we're so excited that you're back. It, if you are back, if this is your first time, <laughs> we're super excited that you're here. Uh, at any point uh, during the service today, you can fill out a welcome card. You'll see it appear in the chat occasionally uh, throughout uh, the service today. The chat, if you don't know, if you're on your phone, is right below you, right below this video, right below us, I should say. If you're on a computer or something else like that, it's over there next to Ellis. Ellis is left. You're right. That's how it works because we're like mirrored. You know what I mean? Nice. Anyway, Good you could have figured all that out on your own, <laughs> but we want to help, you know, because sometimes people are new to the online experience. So if that's you, welcome. Super glad that you're here. It's going to be a great day. It is. How, how are, are you? you? Oh, whoa. Whoa, jinx. jinx. I got wood. <laughs> I can't. There's no wood here. You asked me first. I'm great, man. Yeah. Yeah. Summer, like this is like prime summer right here, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is late July. Yeah. So that's pretty much as hot as it's gonna get. It's yeah. We're we're in the thick of it, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Which you know, if you're like me, not a big fan of. Not a huge fan of. Uh, this this past week in Virginia, I know not all of you in Virginia. Yeah. But we had we had what would be considered like a mild to light rainstorm. And my power's out for four and a half hours. So mm, That's not fun. Yeah. That's not fun. And I know that can happen in any season, but it just gets windy and muggy and rainy occasionally in the summer. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm good. I'm good on that. I guess I just went for like one half of the summer equation. You know, yeah. I've had some, so fly. <laughs> I had some, uh, had some fun time at the pool and stuff, you know, hanging out yeah. outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... You know, every time you step outside, it feels like a swamp. Yeah, you're like in the pool Not so already. great. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, maybe you can relate, but if you're around here, I know you can. But let's move on. Yeah. Because because it's summer, we started our summer series. We did officially last week. It's called On the Water. Super excited about it. You should know that maybe you caught maybe you caught the uh, the video uh, of s- kind of like the smoke on the water. Mm-hmm. Angie and Brian Pope and Brian Hughes and me were in it, and we were just doing sort of goofy stuff related to water. But also, there was another guy in it named Tanner Iglio, mm. who, if you didn't pick up on it in the video, that's totally our fault because we didn't really <laughs> like explain it in the video. But he's going to be giving his first message from the platform during this series, and that's why he was in it. So the point was, is all of us in it were going to be speaking at some point in the series. He's included in that. Yeah. So we're hype on that because you've seen Tanner here as a part of Hype before. He's one of our good friends and uh, just super excited for that. And all the all the messages. Yeah. Because I've gotten a little preview. As you know, I well, you might not know. I spoke. I started it last week. Um, so I've gotten to kind of see what other people are going to do, and it's going to be awesome. Which week is Tanner speaking, you might ask? I guess we're going to have to come watch all of them. To find out. He'll pop up at some point, That's but true. you'll just have to come back every week and find it's out. It's like a little fun surprise. Yeah, and while you're yeah. at it, go back and watch this guy's message that kicked off the series. Yeah, you should You should watch this series wherever you are. That's the beauty, one of the beautiful things about the online campus. You can just do this at any time, yeah. anywhere that you have an internet connection. Go to our website. You can go to our message archives. You can check it out. And if you miss a week, if you miss any week during the series, you can always go back and check out the message. Uh, you'll want to do that because it's going to be awesome. Another thing you can do online is growth track. Mm-hmm. We begin growth track, a uh, new round of growth track for the online campus on August the 16th, I Got believe. It. You nailed it. Mm, nice. August 16th 
it'll be a weekly for three weeks after that. So starting on the 16th, then you'll do it again the next week for growth track step two. Then you'll do it again the following week for growth track step three. That is so you can learn more about PCC, uh, sort of know the inner workings of how we're doing, but also more importantly, discover your purpose, mm -hmm. what God has created you to do and how you can use that gift to help push forth the mission of PC PCC. It, right. it becomes a tongue twister after you say it a few times. PCC, mission. Yeah, you got to enunciate. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, hey, it's going to be you, awesome. If you can't make it one of those three weeks because you're going to be on the water somewhere or something, then you can do Growth Track Online at any time with Growth Track On Demand. You can mm -hmm. go to our website and check out the first two steps online yep. at your convenience and then come back for the third step. But that's really cool. Yeah, So it is. It is. And that's, uh, like you said, it's available anytime. Mm -hmm. So don't worry if you can't do the 16th. You can do the, at least the first two steps on demand at any time. Yes. So that's awesome. We have a lot going on. We do. And I know because it's online, you're not you're not always within the, the what, what am I trying to say, the, the area of one of our campuses. Um, but if you are, you should check out our events page because mm -hmm. summer is like full of events. A lot of water events. A lot of events for your children. A lot of events where you can meet new people, like meet and eat and just summer splash events and all this stuff, it's all over the place. We, You could give us 20 minutes, and we wouldn't have time. We wouldn't have time to talk about it all. But you can see it at any time, pccwire.net. <laughs> see, it is tongue twister. pccwire.net slash events. There you go. Yeah. You got to really it's all emphasize the, hand the slash. Yeah. That's how you know. Slash events. And then you can check it out and just show up to any of them. As an online campus, you're welcome to all of them. Like, if you went to the Powhatan campus, you can't go to Midlothian events. No, I'm just kidding. You can do that. But you're online, so you you have, like, a free pass. You have, like, dual citizenship, except the number is, like, five, because we have five physical locations. Yeah. What is that? Quinn, Quinn, no. Pent, Penta ship. Penta is five, right? <laughs> I yeah, think so. it is. Sure. Pentagon. The yeah. Pentagon is five oh, sides. Okay. Yeah. So, Penta ship to all of our campuses. Yeah. Yeah. The bouncer at each campus will actually be like, oh, you're from the online campus? Yeah. Come on. VIP. Come on through. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, there you go. They'll take the route. Here you go. Yeah. 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 The stanchion. The stanchion. There you go. This is what it's called. You got all the words today, bro. <laughs> Apparently. On a roll. Flipping over all of them. <laughs> but hey, we're going to run over our time. Yeah. Because we've been goofy. So we're excited to worship with you. We're super glad that you're here. We know God is going to move in a mighty way. We hope that you are able to respond to it and participate in it with us. We'll see you in there. At PCC, we take Jesus seriously. When he said, love God with all your heart, we think he actually meant it. So, we do. about God from passionate teachers. We make worship and studying the Bible a daily part of our lives. We wrestle with Scripture together and on our own. And we go wherever He leads us to help others do the same thing. 
Jesus also said, love your neighbor as yourself. And we think he meant that too. So we spend time together because we think relationships matter. We offer help when it's needed. We live generously. We give sacrificially. And we welcome everybody. We take Jesus seriously, but not ourselves. We're the least likely people with the most amazing God and a passionate vision to love God and to love others. To reach people who don't go to church so that we can all know God, discover purpose, get real, make a difference, and be the change. glad you are here today. Welcome to church. Well, thank you so much for joining us for church today. We are so excited to do a new song that's new to us. and We think you're really going to like it. So help us out by clapping along as you learn it so we can all sing it along together.
you alone. You are our safe place and our comforter. And we are going to continue to worship today as we just sing out songs of praises to you.
Nothing compares to the wonder of who Jesus is. He alone has unmatched compassion, unmatched love for you and for me. And I'm so grateful that we could sing about that together. Thank you for being here today. I'm Stuart Britton. I'm the pastor of our Riverside campus. And I'm Sandra Moore, pastor of our ALIC campus. Welcome to church. We're here to serve you however we can. If you'd like more information, would like to get on our email or text list, or would just simply like to connect with us, you can do that through the welcome card. So please take a minute to submit that via our website, and we'll be in touch. Last week, we kicked off our series, On the Water, with a unique perspective on the story of Jonah. We ended that service in a very unique way with a hanging, unanswered question that only you and God can answer together. Is it okay that God loves my enemies? Yes, it was very powerful. And if you were here for that, I imagine you spent some time pondering. If you weren't here, that question probably stirs up a lot more questions. And here's the really cool thing. That is what our small groups are for. Absolutely, Sandra. Small groups are where you find your people. It's a group of people that you can get real with, that you can ask tough questions with, dig in the Bible together, and you grow together in your faith journeys and the understanding of who God is. And over the next six weeks, we're looking for group leaders, new groups, new group members. And if you're not plugged in yet, we're here to help you find your people. Stuart, what are you doing? Shh. I'm looking for my people. Stuart, that, that's, that's not really how it works. You said find your people, and I know that I need some group leaders at Riverside, so I'm looking for group leaders. So you can identify them by just looking at them? Well, I didn't really give that a whole lot of thought, but um, I don't know, maybe think so but we have a much easier way to meet new leaders we're having a launch and lead rally on august the 28th we're going to talk about leadership we're going to give helpful information to our new leaders and we're going to have fun so you can just invite people who are interested in leadership to sign up for that on our website well, that makes a little more sense, and it's probably a little less creepy than using binoculars, you think? Yeah, you can use your binoculars for some bird watching yeah. or something That'll else. Work. Well, you know, we hear from group leaders all the time about how life-changing it is to lead a group, and one leader shared this with us recently. They said, I look forward to our small group on Wednesday nights. We have a little of everything to help each other through the seasons of life together. I couldn't ask for a better group of real, God-loving, kind, and wise people. This opportunity to lead a group has truly been divine. So this person stepped out to lead and discovered something truly unique. It's unique not only to their group, but to small groups in general. These groups are one of the key ways that people connect to God and to each other at PCC. And you can be a part of that. 
Each time you give here, each time you give back to God and invest in our church, you help to train leaders, inspire leaders, and create spaces where people can get real and get closer to God. And you can give securely on our website right now. Stuart, would you pray for us while we do that? Absolutely. God, we just thank you that we get to come here today and to worship you and that we can take this time right now and worship you with all that you have given us. God, we just pray that you take what we give and God, that you multiply it in only the way that you can. And God, we just thank you for our small groups where we can find our people, but uh, most importantly, we find you, that we find you in the middle of all of it. God, we just thank you for that. We just thank you that we can come together and grow closer to you and to each other. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, many people have asked for this song over the last few months. We played it for the first time last Sunday as it was very fitting for our On the Water theme. So here it is again. Yo 
you get some time on the water this summer. That last song talked about God's forgiveness feeling like holy water on our skin. There's nothing as refreshing as being immersed in water on these hot summer days. You know that feeling like when you're in the lake or the pool with water all the way up to your neck, you feel weightless? And yet, water isn't always that benign and benevolent. Sometimes, It's the very opposite. Water can be as dramatic and dangerous as it can be refreshing and relaxing. God works through water in all of those ways. Today, we're looking at one of the most dramatic stories in the Bible about water, the Exodus. The event itself is dramatic, and it becomes a milestone for the people of God, forever defining both who they are and who God is. Today, we'll explore how it can be a story that shapes us and our understanding of who God is, too. Now, the reason that water is so dramatic is that it is the stuff of life and death. We've been reminded of that just this week. The first seven hours of this past Tuesday, from midnight to 7 a.m., eight inches of rain fell in St. Louis. That total dwarfs the previous record of rain to fall there in one day. That was set over a hundred years ago. As we have seen here in central Virginia before, inches of rain can turn into feet of flooding very quickly. That's what happened in St. Louis this week. And it happened while everyone was sleeping. Not when they were awake and alert, when they could see and think clearly. Now, one man said he woke up to a waterfall in his home. Another man lost his life as his vehicle was overtaken by a flash flood of eight and a half feet of water. And a few weeks ago, parts of southwest Virginia flooded. Ninety-nine homes were affected, with 22 of them being complete losses. Some volunteers from PCC traveled there last week to do good, preparing food for those who don't have a way or place to cook for themselves anymore. Now, the ancient Israelites, they were no strangers to the drama of water. They were dependent upon the mighty Nile River for life. It was the source of drinking water for themselves and their livestock and the home of the fish that they ate. They didn't know it, but they were getting ready to witness a movement of water even more mighty than the Nile. But first, you may be wondering why the ancient Israelites were dependent upon the Nile. Like, I'm no geography buff, but Israel and the Nile don't go to get together, do they? 
Nope. The Israelites were in Egypt as slaves. They spent their days building bricks out of straw and clay, engineering and assembling massive structures in the middle of the desert. They suffered, and God heard their cries and called Moses to lead his people out from under Pharaoh's rule, out of slavery, out of Egypt. It is a long, fascinating story that I encourage you to read in the second section of the Bible called Exodus. Now, Pharaoh and Moses, they go back and forth as Moses demands on God's behalf that Pharaoh let his people go. Pharaoh refuses. So God sends plague after plague to get his attention. Eventually, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go and also bless me. Pharaoh frees the Israelites and 600,000 Israelite men plus their wives, children, and animals leave. They're free. After over 400 years of suffering and slavery, they walk away as free people. God guides them where to go, and they end up camping beside a sea by the water. That's where they are when Pharaoh begins to feel regret. Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. Now here the Israelites are, sitting on the banks of the sea after long days and nights of walking. They're resting and cleaning. The kids are running around playing. And then the ground shudders. Sand swirls in the air. Ripples race across the surface of the sea. A low roar is heard in the distance. Animals disperse. Moms gather kids, men prepare to fight. The roar gets louder. The step, step, step of the infantry. Egyptian soldiers commanded to chase them down and bring them back as slaves. Then the thump of hooves. 600 horses pulling 600 chariots led by 600 battle-hardened officers. They gain ground on the Israelite camp. The Israelites huddle closer and closer, sandwiched between the approaching army behind and the water ahead. They cry out to Moses. He cries out to God who says, raise your staff, stretch out your hand, divide the water so the Israelites can go through on dry land. Moses steps ankle deep into the water. He lifts his arm, stretches out his hand, a hush overtakes. And then a breeze tickles their necks, pushes the hair in front of their faces. The water shimmers. It pulls back in a V-shape that gets longer, deeper. Instead of waves rolling in, rolling in, they move back, pulling away. Bodies of water form on each side. Wind rustles their clothes, unsteadies their feet, scatters their flocks. It gets louder, fiercer. Water whooshes as it climbs higher. 600,000 Israelites form a herd and step into the tunnel. Walls of water on each side. They're spooked as shadows of fish swim past. Kids gaze up with eyes wide and mouths agape. Parents clench child-sized hands, hoping with every step that the water holds. 
while the air howls and whistles and gusts. All night long, they walk straight into the wind while it whips up walls of water. God moves the water so the Israelites can escape. This is a mighty act of God. Now, we all know how hard it is to move water, how hard it is to walk in it when we're chest deep. God displays his power by parting a sea, pushing water up into walls, separating it all night long. God does that because he loves his people that much. He wants to rescue them that much, and he can exert that much power. God loves us and has the power to rescue us too. So let's look more closely at how he interacted with the Israelites then to learn how he might interact with us now. See, when the Israelites begin this journey of leaving Pharaoh, they do so with confidence and strength. The Bible says of Pharaoh that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. They were marching boldly. And yet, as Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. Now, not a lot of time passes here, and the people move from marching boldly to crying fearfully, from moving forward to looking back. Well, because that's what we do, right? We quickly move from success and confidence to fear and imminent failure. The people of God see God rescue them from 400 years of slavery, and they walk in that confidently for a little while. But as their past sneaks up on them, they turn to look at it and fall into fear, back into who they used to be and what they used to do. Now, some people here may have never seen God move in your life or someone else's. And I hope you'll find hope in this story that God can and does move in powerful ways. Others of us, we've seen God move. He's brought us out from where and who we used to be, and we marched confidently in a new direction for a little while. But, but those enemies are behind us, pursuing us. The hurts and habits that enslaved us claw at our ankles. The words that we heard from others, even from ourselves. Words like, you can't do it. You're not good enough. Nobody wants you. You'll never amount to anything. Those words clamor after us. And before we know it, we're looking back. We're scared all over again, crying out to God all over again. That's what the Israelites do. They look back, cry out to God, and then they cry out to their leader, Moses. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Moses challenges them not to be afraid, to stand firm, to trust that if they'll keep still, God will fight for them and deliver them again. You know, when the past is chasing us down, when we're falling back into our old ways, we need good friends and trusted leaders to steady us, 
to help us stand firm and trust that the God who brought us here is still at work fighting for us. What Moses says is good, but then God speaks. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. Go forward, God says. I mean, first, he chastises Moses for even crying out to him in the first place. It's as if God is saying, why are you coming to me? You know what to do. They know what to do. Go, move forward. See, the Israelites' natural inclination is to look back. Moses' natural inclination is to stand firm, but God's nature is to go forward. I'm going to say that again, but not about those people back then, about you and me right now. We spend our time looking back, giving into fear. We get good counsel from good friends to tough it out, to be strong. But God says, go forward, not backward, not still and stagnant, forward, ahead. Looking and moving forward, that's the nature of God and of lots of inspirational messages. I mean, can't you hear the commencement address at graduation right now, or the national annual meeting for your company, or the viral video on social media? Look ahead, fix your eyes on the horizon, on the wide open spaces in front of you. Now go, move forward, forge ahead. Well, that's not exactly God's message here. And it's certainly not where the Israelites find themselves. They're not looking at wide open spaces, but at a body of water that threatens to sweep away their entire race, to drown their livelihood, their flocks and herds, to drown them, to drown their kids. Go forward into that? It seems impossible. It is impossible for them. But God. And he says, go forward. He has a plan to part the waters in front of them that involves Moses' staff being lifted in one hand while he raises his other hand over the sea. And God also has a plan to work behind them. The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. Now, since the Israelites have left their slave quarters, God has been leading them. But now, both an angel of God and a pillar of cloud who've been before them abandon those positions and assume new ones behind the people of God. But they're not abandoning the people, even though it feels like it to them. God's moving behind them on purpose so that he can be at work there. See, when it looks like God leaves them, he's actually just moving behind them to protect them. They don't have to look back because God's got their back. We don't have to look back because God's got our backs. You don't have to look back because God's got your back. He didn't bring the Israelites all this way so that they could drown in the sea. If he has been working in your life, and trust me, he has been, whether you know it or not, see it or not, feel it or not, 
And God has not brought you this far so that you can drown in the sea or be overtaken by the enemy that's pursuing you from your past. You don't have to look back and fall into that fear anymore. You're not there anymore. You're not that person anymore. Move forward and trust that the God who brought you here is at work back there. He has shown you where to go. Now go and know that he's got your back. Now, there is a time and a place for looking back. We look back when it can bring hope, remind us of things that are good and true about ourselves and about God. This Exodus story is the perfect example of that. From this point forward, dozens of times in the Bible, we'll read phrases like, remember how I brought you up out of the land of Egypt, or I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. This event becomes a milestone that God actually encourages his people to look back at occasionally, to remind them that he has moved in powerful ways in their lives before, to remind them that he is a good God who hears their cries, who loves, who rescues, that they are a people who can endure unimaginable evil, who can leave everything they've ever known to claim new lives, who are children of a mighty God. In those cases, looking back can be helpful. But oftentimes, looking back is costly. That reminds me of Greg Foster. In the 1980s, he was the top runner in the world and the clear favorite to take home gold at the 87 Olympics in L.A. Now, his event was the 110-meter hurdle, and it was his to lose. In the final race, Greg pulled ahead of the pack. I mean, Olympic gold was literally just steps away, but then he turned his head ever so slightly to see where the other runners were. The peak behind him cost him just a few hundredths of a second, and that was enough to cost him the gold. Looking back has a cost. Paul, a passionate follower of Jesus, knew that, and he said, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul refused to look behind, and he had a lot of things to regret. At one point, he was the guy rounding up people who followed Jesus to put them in prison. Then he became the guy rounding up people who followed Jesus to form churches. If he had looked back, he could have been trapped by regret and remorse. How costly that would have been. See, Paul wrote a big section of the Bible. He traveled and started churches throughout the ancient world. Looking back would have been costly to him, to his contemporaries, even to us, thousands of years later on the other side of the ocean. Paul knew what the Israelites discovered and what C.S. Lewis wrote. There are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. Lewis wrote these words in a letter to a friend, Mary Willis Shelburne, who was in the hospital, presumably facing death. Now, she actually recovered and went on to live for years, while Lewis himself would die just five months after writing these words. But this context is important, and it's reminiscent of the Israelites. 
to a woman who thought there was nothing in front of her in this life, C.S. Lewis said, there are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. To Israelites standing on the shore facing a sea, God says, go forward. Far, far better things awaited them than anything they left behind. To you today, I say, there may be far, far better things ahead than anything you leave behind. Now, for some of you, that bar is pretty low. The things in your past are just awful. You need to stop looking back and do the hard work of turning to look ahead. I know it seems impossible to move forward, but there may be far, far better things ahead, and you're never going to find them looking back. For others of us, oh, the bar is really high. You've had some great experiences, and you can't imagine anything ahead being any better. If so, I hope you are grateful for all of that. But no matter what you see, when you look back, it's probably holding you back. If you're looking back on career choices that you wish you'd made but didn't, on the college acceptance you wish you had accepted but didn't, on the relationship you wish you'd pursued but didn't, if you're looking back with regret about how you raised your kids, and let's be honest, there is no guilt like mom guilt. I don't know, I imagine the same is true for dads. If you're looking back at how a church let you down, at how your childhood understanding of God didn't hold up to the real world, if you're looking back there, then you're missing out on the purpose God has for you, on the people God has for you, on the relationship God wants with you. God has plans for you. There is somewhere he wants you to go, and it's ahead of you, not behind. So go where he leads you, and if he leads you like he did the Israelites to an impossible place, then he'll make a way for you to get through it, if he leads you. That's an important caveat. Sometimes there's a big difference between going where God wants you to go and going where you want to go. See, sometimes God isn't parting the sea in front of you, because it's not the way he wants you to go. Some of us are trying to escape situations that God isn't trying to rescue us from. You went out of the friendship that God hasn't finished using you in yet. You went out of the career that he created you to pursue. You went out of the vows that you promised before God. If you keep wanting God to part the waters and they're not parting, then it might be because you need to wait longer. Or it might be because that's not where God wants you to go. It is all about going where God is leading, and that is all about knowing God. At this church, we advocate that God has five purposes for every person, and the first and primary one is to know God. That is the starting point for us, just like it was for Paul and for the Israelites. Just before Paul said that forgetting what's behind, he strains toward what's ahead, he tells us why. He says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage 
that I may gain Christ. I want to know Christ. The reason Paul doesn't look back at who he used to be and what he used to do is because for him, everything's about knowing Christ, knowing Jesus. That's why he's looking and moving ahead. And in this Exodus story, the people aren't the ones seeking to know God. It's God who wants the people to know him. Twice after the Israelites have left Pharaoh, but before they cross the Red Sea, God says, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And then after it's all over, after the waters have parted and then returned to normal, the Bible says, so the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. This story begins and ends with God's desire for all people, Egyptians and Israelites, to know him. Now, when we know God, we may still go through hard things. I mean, the Israelites had been slaves for over 400 years. God might intervene and lead us like he led his people away from Pharaoh. But even then, the Israelites still had enemies behind them and obstacles ahead of them. Knowing God doesn't magically make life safe, secure, and happy. But it does mean that we can trust where he's leading us, that we can move forward even when it seems impossible. Years ago, I felt like I was in an impossible place. Now it's small potatoes compared to what some of you have endured, but it was real to me. Now God had led me there, I knew that much. For months, my husband and I had been praying and seeking God's direction. We moved toward it, even though I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me, and quite frankly, I didn't like it. It hurt a lot. See, we're both ordained pastors, and we'd been ministering here at PCC for 10 years. I'd been here even longer than that. And we were both being led to change jobs at the same time. He was feeling led away from PCC and his role as the Midlothian campus pastor. But to what? He wasn't sure. It was a yet-to-be-determined position at a yet-to-be-determined place. And I, well, I was being led to a different role right here at PCC, to the one I fill now, the one that he filled then. I could not picture what that would look like, how our family would function, how our kids would be okay, how we would be okay. And I really didn't know how we were going to pay our bills. Now, I know people change jobs all the time and it works out. But this was new for us. And really, there was no guidebook for how a husband would leave a job and his wife would take on the same job. I felt like God had led me to the shore looking out onto a sea that I couldn't cross with all sorts of obligations pressing in behind me. And I felt like that all the time, even at church. I would stand right here in these services with both fear and trust vying for my heart and my head. And about that time, we started singing a new song around here. And as I stood in my front row spot, God spoke to me through it, reminding me that he's the God who split the sea so his people could walk through it. I clung onto the promise that if God had brought me to this place, then he was going to split the sea for me too, and I was going to walk through it. He did. 
and I have. You know, that song also says, you rescued me so I could stand and sing. Now trust me, nobody wants to hear me sing, but I can stand and speak. I'm standing here doing what God has led me to do because he split the sea and I walked right through it. He rescued me so that I could stand and say to you, as God said to the Israelites long ago, go forward. I don't know how God is leading you in your life or if you're even aware that he's at work around you. I don't know what sea you're facing, what enemy threatens to overtake you. But I do know that God is mighty. And if you are going where he's leading you, then he's got your back. He'll make a way and you'll walk right through it. One day you will stand and sing or speak about your own Exodus story. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no
God leads you and trust that he's still the God who splits the sea so that you can walk through it. Thanks for sharing this time with us. We'll see you back next week for another service on the water.
I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping out, stepping out, stepping out.